Amen. This morning, I enjoyed not only the song, but the truth, and I'm glad that I can rejoice that I am saved to the uttermost. Open your Bibles again to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, after I point out our text passage, I want you to mark Luke 24, and then we're going to go just a few pages over to the book of Acts. Uh, the Bible says in uh, John, uh, I'm sorry, Luke uh, 24 and verse number 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And I want you to notice these words, but tarry ye. Underline those two words, if you will, just make note of those. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. And then these words, until ye be endued with power from on high. Uh, tarry ye until. Tarry ye until. That's what I want to preach on this morning. And let's pray and I'll get right into the message. Heavenly Father, it's been a joy to be in church. It's just been a morning. I've been just wanting to say amen constantly to everything that I've heard and I've been a part of. What a joy it is to be in this place. Uh, uh, Lord, even uh, this summer to be a place of excitement, to see folks uh, saved uh, day after day, to see folks uh, uh, becoming a part of our church and ministry and all that you're doing and answering prayers, and Lord, thank you for all you've done. And I pray now that you'd bless the preaching of your word. I pray that you'd help my mind to be focused on this truth, and that I would be filled with the Spirit of God, and I would preach in a manner that would be pleasing to you, that would be understood by every listener to a way that it can be applied to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The book of Luke chapter 24 overlaps with Acts chapter 1. Sometimes when you go from book to book, they connect. Sometimes there's a wide gap of time. For, exa for example, between Malachi and Matthew is 400 years. And so there's a gap there. But when you come to Luke chapter 24, uh, you can take the last uh, chapter of Luke chapter 24 and you can overlap that with Acts chapter 1. And so I want you to see, he tells them to go to Jerusalem and tarry until they be endued with power. Now take your Bibles, skip over the book of John, the gospel of John, and go to the book of Acts in chapter 1. Acts in chapter 1, and I want you to notice as I'll read just a part of three different passages of Scripture. Notice, first of all, chapter 1 and verse number 12. Uh, the first few verses talk about Jesus ascending. Uh, that's what Luke has already said. Uh, Jesus ascended back to the Father. <clears throat> and uh, he says in verse number 11, uh, that Why stand you here gazing up into heaven? He said Jesus had just ascended. And then he says in verse number 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem uh, from, Mount, uh, from the mount called Olivet. That's where Jesus ascended to heaven. So they leave Olivet and they start toward Jerusalem. Why? Because Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait there. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you're endued with power. Then he says, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. 
and they were come into the upper room, they went up into an upper room and where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. Notice verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So there's about, the Bible says, about 120 that go to the upper room. They're with Jesus as recorded in Luke chapter 24. He said, Terry, go to Jerusalem and tarry ye until you be endued with power. Jesus ascends to heaven. They go, they begin to pray. Notice chapter 2, if you will. Chapter 2 and verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. We find that is repeated from verse number 14. And suddenly... Uh, there, came, uh, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues uh, like as of fire, and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, Devout men, notice the phrase, out of every nation under heaven. And so they did not all speak the same language, uh, but they, uh, these uh, disciples, they spoke with tongues or folks heard them in their own language as the Bible goes on to describe. Now, if you will, go to chapter 2, verse number 40. Uh, verse number 40, and I'll put all these passages together in the message this morning. And notice the Bible says, Acts 2 and verse number 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That's Peter preaching. And then the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, this is the event of Pentecost. This is not the first time Pentecost had been celebrated. In fact, if you listen just a moment and I give you some explanation, the sermon will be easy to understand. Pentecost means 50 or it means 50th. Like we have a golden anniversary. The word Pentecost uh, was a Jewish feast or a Jewish holiday. All of their holidays meant something and they celebrated something specific. For example, uh, in America, because our nation was founded with a Christian heritage, uh, we celebrate uh, the holiday of Easter. And Easter is a celebration of the resurrection of Christ. I'm glad we serve a risen Savior. Uh, Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Christ. Uh, Jesus was the virgin-born, sinless Son of God. Uh, there are other holidays. Those are Christian holidays that we celebrate. Pentecost was a holiday. It meant 50 or 50th. It's also called in the Bible the Feast of Weeks. And uh, it's Exodus chapter 34. It was also called, don't miss this one, the Feast of Harvest. So after the harvest, they had a feast time. Think about that. They have a harvest, and then they have a feast at the end of the harvest. Now, Pentecost was a holiday set aside as a Thanksgiving day to mark the end of the grain harvest. It was a holy Sabbath day. 
In fact, they were instructed on how to celebrate it. He said, in your homes, I want you to make two loaves of bread from the new wheat that you've just raised and God has blessed you with. I want you to take that wheat and I want you to make two loaves of bread from the fresh wheat. And then I want you to take two yearling lambs, two lambs that have just been born this year, young lambs, two loaves of bread and two lambs. And I want you to wave that before the Lord. I want you to hold that up saying, this represents all that God has given to us. And that's what our thanksgiving used to be in America. That's what it is to me still, uh, thanking God for his goodness to us. And so this was a thanksgiving kind of holiday. And uh, as we would use a turkey for thanksgiving and maybe a ham for Christmas, uh, uh, their Pentecost, their uh, feast of uh, harvest, uh, they would have two loaves of bread and then they would have two yearling lambs. Now people were expected then to attend a feast requiring them to offer a free will offering to the Lord. Now the reason I tell you this is we're talking about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 1 verse number 3, I'm expecting you to listen to what I'm saying now so you can put it together. Jesus was with them how many days before he ascended to heaven? You remember the story, he died, buried, he rose again, he was with them 40 days. The Bible said he was seen of men 40 days. Now, the word Pentecost means 50. Jesus had been with them 40 days, and then after the 40 days, Jesus ascends to heaven. 10 days after the ascension is the 50th day. So the Bible says, and when Pentecost was fully come... And that means so you've come all the way to the 50th day. It's time for a celebration. It's time as they would typically take two loaves of bread and two yearling lambs and offer a sacrifice and come together like we would for Christmas. They would come together for Pentecost. And the words of Joel 3.18 and John the Baptist's words in Matthew 3 are fulfilled. And on this day they set aside to praise the Lord for his uh, for giving his people a great harvest. Now, what harvest are they talking about? Well, the great harvest of this chapter is not wheat, but it's souls. 3,000 people get saved. Typically, they would say, Lord, thank you for all this grain. Thank you for all of this wheat. Thank you for these animals. And they go take two yearling lambs, and they take two loaves of bread, and they offer them up to God, and then they eat them in a celebration saying, God's been good to us this year. God's been good to us. Look at what we've raised, and look at the blessings of the harvest. When we come to this fully Pentecost, coming to the place of fulfillment, the 50th day, that's the day of Pentecost and Peter stands up to preach and there is not a harvest of wheat. Ah, but praise God, there's a harvest of souls. There are 3,000 people that are saved. The amazing gift of tongues takes place and oftentimes the tool gets more credit than the work that's done by the tool. Tools are neat contraptions. My grandfather used to call his tools tricks. And he had his... Uh, his uh, toolbox was wooden, and uh, his uh, measuring uh, uh, stick, it wasn't a tape, it was wooden, and it would unfold. He called those his tricks. But the purpose of those tricks was to build a building. The purpose of those tricks was to accomplish something. Well, the tool in Acts chapter 2 is 
There's all kinds of people here. They're from every nation because they're there to celebrate Pentecost. They're there to celebrate the feast, a uh, uh, harvest of feast, uh, or the feast of weeks and the uh, feast of the great harvest. And Peter stands up and he begins to preach Jesus. Well, they can't understand his language, but as they begin to speak, they begin to speak in tongues. Now, some folks misunderstand that and they focus on the tongues rather than the purpose of the tool. The purpose of the tool was for every man to hear the gospel in his own language. Now, Paul later described and explained to the church, it would be ridiculous for me to come to a church uh, gathering and speak in a language that could not be understood. The purpose is not speaking in a language that can't be understood. It's to speak in a language that can be understood to hear the gospel. And so there was a great harvest, but the harvest wasn't wheat. The harvest wasn't lambs. The harvest was souls. Now, here's what I want to preach about. I took 15 minutes to introduce the sermon but I'm only going to preach 15 minutes more and then 15 minutes more after that I'm just kidding now we can't duplicate the events of Pentecost he'd been risen 40 days he said go wait in Jerusalem I, I, I don't believe they just wondered when's this going to happen when's this going to happen they knew what the holidays were they knew what was going to happen they knew it was 40 days from the time uh, Jesus rose that he ascended to heaven. They knew that the full day of Pentecost was coming, just like we get ready for Christmas and all those days of preparation up to that final day and that celebration. And I want to tell you, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in the upper room and the Bible said uh, there was a, a rushing up mighty wind that came in and it was the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. They, will, they were filled with the power of God. Now, we can't, we can't copy that. I can't say to you, well, folks, this is this holiday, and we're going to stay here and do exactly what they did. We can't copy that, but I'll tell you what we can do, and don't miss it. This is the sermon. We can tarry with an expectation. We can tarry before him. We can come and tarry before him in his presence with an expectation because what God did at Pentecost was not a one-time event. It was an example of what he wanted to do in church throughout the ages of time until the rapture of the church would take place. And so I preach to you this morning, we're not just coming to church to fulfill a responsibility this morning. We come to church with the desire. We come to church with an expectation that God would do something in our lives personally that God would do something in our church supernaturally that would help us in the work of getting the gospel out in our generation. Are you with me this morning? And so I come this morning with an expectation. I come this morning waiting. This morning early I went to the back. Uh, uh, David has a large field of sunflower seed or sunflowers. They're, they're beautiful. I mean it's probably an acre of beautiful sunflowers and I sat out there as the sun was rising in the east and I said Lord I can't do what they did at Pentecost but I can come praying I can come waiting I can come with an expectation because what I am called to do today 
I cannot do uh, with the education of man. I cannot do with the wit of the mind. I cannot do with the practice and experience of preaching. I want to do today in the power of the Holy Spirit what these men did and what this 120 did on the day of Pentecost. I want to be filled with the power of God that I can accomplish the work of God. How often do we come to church with an expectation? How often do we go to God in prayer with an expectation, asking God to do something in us, asking God to do something through us that would magnify Him? This old world is a dark world, but I want you to be careful and understanding as we criticize the darkness of the world, what we're actually doing is criticizing the absence of the light, and you and I are to be the light of the world. And the more we talk about the rottenness of the world, what we're really doing is revealing the lack of strength of the salt of the earth that you and I are called to be. And so I say this morning, when we come to church, we don't come just to be in church, just to fulfill a requirement. We don't come to be seen and, and to see, though uh, we do enjoy the fellowship, we do enjoy that. We come to church with an expectation for God to do something in our life that is more than what man can do. And we ask this morning that the Holy Spirit of God would touch and change and fill and empower our lives. I want to give you four words all found in these passages of Scripture this morning. The Bible tells us that they were united. They were united. It's amazing what we can do as a team. It's amazing what we can do united. But you see, unity is not the result of a desire for unity. Unity is to be the result of a purpose. Here they came in unity because they had a purpose to be touched with the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. So I want to say four things in the message. First of all, they were united in purpose. They all desired the same thing. They wanted the world to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may I tell you of all the things that we do and all the things that we enjoy in life, what we want our church to be is a beacon of hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we want our church to be is the light, is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This week, I don't know how many different folks, probably five or six folks that I talked to out and about going to Lancaster and Garrett County or going over to Danville and, and uh, different trips and working at the the camp. I don't know how many folks have met this week that our church has touched over the last 35 years. I was talking to a man yesterday. I could tell you his name doesn't matter. I was talking to a man yesterday. I'd never met him. He came to the camp and I was talking to him and I said, you go to church anywhere? And he told me where he grew up going to church. And then he said this. He said, but all my kids grew up going to your church on a bus. That was a blessing to my heart. I said, did your kids trust Christ as Savior? He said, all my children got saved and got baptized riding a bus to the church at Clay's Mill. May I say this morning, we need to make sure we're united in purpose. Our purpose is not unity. Our purpose is unity in our purpose of getting the gospel out. Everybody, everybody can be a part of getting the gospel out. Take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 1 quickly. I just want to show you a phrase here in Philippians chapter 1. I love this phrase, verse number 27. If you don't have it marked in your Bible, it's one of those verses that you may want to mark. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27. 
Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Notice these two words. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. We're all different. We work at different things. We do different things. We all live in different places across a central Kentucky. But one thing we ought to strive together at, and that is that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forth because of our lives and because of being a part of the local church. Jesus promised them that the Holy Spirit would come. They went to the upper room to tarry and all with the same purpose. They didn't want to be just filled with the Holy Spirit power. The purpose was not to be filled with His power. The purpose was to be filled with His power that they might spread forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. I met a fellow in his late 70s a couple of weeks ago. I gave him a gospel track. He said, I know who you are. He said, I watch you every Saturday night. And, and I, I don't think folks mean bad by this, but here's what they say. I go to sleep watching you on Saturday night. And I said, yeah, that's what everybody does on Sunday morning too. <laughs> that's not what he meant. He meant the last thing he did was, I think that's what he meant. Now come to think of it, maybe I did, did put him to sleep. I don't get paid what an anesthesiologist gets paid, but maybe I should. But he said, oh, he said, he said, I know who you are. I'll watch you on Saturday night. And then he said, with trembling hands and tears in his eyes, as he got his cell phone and he began to look for a picture, he said, would you pray for this young man? And uh, he was a young, strapping young man. He had a football uh, jersey and uniform on. And I said, what's his name? He said, that's my Cody. He's my grandson. You know what he said? He said, pray that Cody will get saved. Hey, that's the purpose of the gospel. Thank God for the camp. Thank God for the school. Thank God for all that we do. And I enjoy every bit of it from baseball to basketball to camp to uh, I love the pie fellowships. I love all of it. But friend, the purpose is for folks to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were united in purpose. Second of all, they were united in prayer. This is so good. They were united in prayer. Look at verse number 14. Acts chapter 1, verse number 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, why would they come together and pray? They know what their purpose is to get the gospel out. Why would they pray? They would pray because of this. They could not do what God had called them to do without the help of God himself. So they come and they say, Lord, we need you to help us. We need you to empower us. May I say as we come to church this morning, of all the things that we do, make sure that we pray in our hearts. God, you empower us to do what we're supposed to do this week. I'm supposed to be a light in this dark world. I'm supposed to be a salt in this rottening world. I'm supposed to be a bright light of encouragement in this discouraging world. I'm supposed to be a help to those that are hurting. I'm supposed to be a lift to those that are falling. I'm supposed to be a strength to those that are weak. That's my purpose, but I can't fulfill my purpose without God's help. And so by prayer, I go to God and say, oh God, I need you. I challenge you this morning. Church ought to be a place that we don't just come for the things that we enjoy, but it is a time of prayer. Every time someone stands here and they pray, whether it's the offering or the beginning of a service or the end of a service, I use this phrase, they're going to 
lead us in prayer. That means all of us are going to pray. They're going to pray out loud. We're going to pray silently, but we're all going to pray. Can I tell you this morning, we need him. We need him. I cannot do God's will without his help. So they came together in uh, purpose. Uh, They were united in prayer. And then I love this. They were united in power. As a result of his promises, as a result of his promises, and the result of their prayer, as a result of his promises, he said, you go to Jerusalem and you tarry until you be endued or you be given or you be filled with his power. You go there and you wait and you tarry with an expectation. So their expectation led them to prayer, a yieldedness of prayer, a hunger of prayer, and the result of that was the power of God. Notice chapter 2 and verse number 3. Look at verse number 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now now we live in a world of of, uh, illustration. We live in the world of pictures. We live in the world of uh, where they can create imaginations on a screen or or, or on, a, on a telephone screen or even a 3D, uh, put it right out in the air. And sometimes we think like that and we think, uh, boy, I wish I could have experienced when we read Acts 2 and we think that the place was filled with power. We, we had this imagination. We wish that would happen in our place. Look at me and listen. It's happening in our place. There are folks here today whose lives five years ago were on a fast road to a devil's hell and the devil was wrecking and ruining their life trying to give them a good time as they were headed to a devil's hell. But today they're born again. You're saved. You're a child of God. You've trusted Christ as Savior. You've followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Ten years ago, if I'd have said to you, I look forward to the day that I can come to church with you every Sunday, you may not have been so kind in your response. Oh, but listen to me this morning. You've been changed. You were changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You were set free from the bondage of sin. Heaven's your home. Christ is your Savior. We see happening today what happened right here in the book of Acts in chapter 2. They were, they were all filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Excuse me while they get excited in the summertime. I know it's summer slump time and I'm supposed to give you a devotion and go home. But this old book just keeps stirring me. And the longer I tarry and wait, the more he, he satisfies me. And every time I tarry in the presence of God and he fills me with his spirit and he touches me with his love and power, there's a joy and a gladness that I can't wait to tell, not only in the church but, in the, but the opportunities of individuals, how great and wonderful our God is. Then last of all, my time is gone. They were united in production. The power came. They followed the same purpose. They all prayed. The power came. And then notice the production. Chapter 4. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that's not the production. That's the tool. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together together. 
and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya and Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. They were all amazed. Notice that. Now I want you to go to verse number 41. Verse number 41 Peter preaches in the preceding verses, verse number 41, then they that gladly received his word, those that trusted Christ as Savior, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What a wonderful thing. Hey, folks, Pentecost hadn't ended. Jesus is still saving the lost. Folks are still hearing the gospel. And folks that would have rejected the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit breaks that, breaks that. Brother Jeff Harris preached this week in split session. And he told the story of a young man that he went to witness to. And he'd been involved in satanic worship and everything that goes with it. And he cursed him. And he, and he, and he, and he told him, he said, you better get off my porch right now and I don't want to ever see you again. But he told about praying for that young man and how that man's day of visitation came. And he came to a time of need. And he went to see his friend again, went to see the young man again. When he went the second time, the Holy Spirit power was present. And that young man trusted Christ as his Savior. Can I tell you something? He's still in the soul-saving business. So we don't come to church just to be here. We come with an expectation, Lord. We have a work to do this week. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to be the light. Help us to be the salt that we need to be to a lost and dying world. Stand with me if you will. Our time's gone so fast today. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, help us to be a hungry people for you again. There's so much in this world to spoil our appetite for spiritual things. There's so many even, even religious things that can spoil our appetite for what we need to be hungry for. Lord, as I look across the crowd, folks that I've personally been able to lead to faith in you and to see the miraculous changes in their life, to see them have a hunger for you. Help us, Lord, to continue in that work. And oh, how we need you. Lord, as a church collectively, we need you working in our lives today and this week. I pray that you'd bless in decisions that should be made this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. He's going to sing the imitation song. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you come from your seat and let one of these men take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure heaven is your home. But if you're a 